Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. All right, so I'm going to read this scripture. We'll get going today. Mark, Mark chapter 16 and verse 18. It says, They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And that's really the part that I want to uh, look at. If they, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And so today, an odd uh, name for this, you know, what I named this is odd, but it's called No Deadly Thing. So we just want to look at that today. I like to have scriptural showers. You know when you go in the shower and you got that water hitting you and you know, sometimes you use more water than you want to. If you not make it nice and warm, you know, I, I like to just let it hit my shoulders, just let it go on the shoulders there. And you, that, doesn't that feel good? And uh, it's like you're just getting saturated with the water, and it's nice. Well, I like to also get saturated with Scripture. And, uh, and so I'm going to just, before we start teaching, I'm going to just do a little scriptural shower here uh, concerning protection. So like Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Psalm 32, 7, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 138, 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Uh, Psalm 23.1-6 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall flow, follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And 1 John 4.4, 4, little children, you are from, from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Just like great scriptural shower to remind us of these things. And I think today more than ever, uh, it's very important that we are very convinced that no deadly thing can harm us. We're definitely living in those kind of days. So I've been observing for at least the last 18 months uh, and I, before I say some of the things I've observed, I just want to give a little background information. We lived in Singapore, uh, and we were there uh, 
we've been here about 16 years, a little over, and we were there four years before we moved to Australia. So we uh, went and we were doing a Bible school there, and my niece and her brother were there, and just right near the end of the school year, SARS came. Now, that was like a while ago, so we're talking about 20 years ago. We've been here 16 years, so for some of you that are younger, I don't know, you might not have been born, or you might not have even, you don't know what SARS is, but SARS was a little bit like this one. They got it contained, and you know, Hong Kong and Singapore, from what I understood, Singapore assisted Hong Kong, but they had a lot to do with getting that virus contained. Uh, but so we were there, and my brother, who pastors, his kids were with us, my, Michael and Stephanie's their name, and he was sensing they were going to probably close the airlines down and not travel. So he said, we were just getting ready to graduate the class, and he said, can you get, can my kids come home? And I said, of course. You know, so they left, and we figured out a way that they could graduate from Bible school distant. So we were there during that. It was significant. Uh, and so like a huge percentage of the population, they wouldn't leave their homes. But we, we kept our Bible school open. There wasn't like an official lockdown, so we weren't protesting. We also kept our healing school open uh, during SARS and the bird flu, although the attendance went, was cut in half. Uh, and I always thought, hey, you know, come and hear about healing and protection if this is going on, but people just wouldn't come out. So it, it did go down to the half attendance during this time. But they didn't require masks, and I didn't wear one. But here's the reason why I didn't wear one. I sincerely believed that no deadly thing could harm me. And, uh, you know, that's how we arrived in Singapore. Now, you've heard my story that after four years of being in Singapore, and I found out that a mosquito bite could bring the dengue fever, and then I started to uh, not, and it was the wrong thing, I worried about our daughters getting bit, and a, and a, and a spirit of fear got on me, but that was like four years later. This is when we first arrived in Singapore. So I was a wild faith guy, you know, and, um, and I, I, but it was out of a sincere heart. I'm going to read later on near the end of the message about John G. Lake and, and that story, but that's one of the things that really inspired me concerning no deadly thing harming me. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But here's some of the things that I've seen, and there's like three things I want to share and these three things really aren't faith. And I think it's always good that we have a balance. So here's some things that, uh, that can be done, but they're, they're not going to produce the fruit or the results that we want. The first thing is not being prepared. So you, c you can know scriptures because you've heard them taught before. We've all heard things taught. I've taught things before. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, in, for Bible school, we, we used to be traveling ministers. We've, uh, we pa we've still traveled longer than we've pastored. And my specialty, because traveling ministers a lot of times have a specialty, it was faith and healing. I did a lot of teaching. And even in the Bible school, when I do Bible school, with our Bible school, I, I um, had 30 hours that I taught on healing and 15 hours that I taught on faith. So I was always feeding on that, and I was really built up in that area. And that's how we arrived into Singapore and I, I had all these testimonies that I, like just the John G. Lake one I was very familiar with. So I sincerely believe that no, nothing can come near my dwelling. It would die if it touched me. I believe that. But, but here's the thing. Even though 
I was in that category, I know well enough that just because you heard something uh, yesterday and previously doesn't mean that's where you are today. So I think it's wise for all of us that, that I have these three categories. So I'll just tell you th this one story. I grew up under a man that's in heaven now, but that's, I, I was kind of a young Christian. I ended up in Tulsa going to Bible school, and then I didn't know the Lord would keep me there for 10 years to serve uh, that ministry. That's a lot of times how things go. You end up serving somewhere before getting released. So I was privileged to be around this man for 10 years and serve him, and I did anything that they asked me to do. But in that, I heard his story. So he told the story. He would go out on the road, and sometimes he'd be out for five weeks on the road uh, teaching, and he did mainly faith and healing teaching. And his wife would call and say, hey, one of the kids are sick. Could you pray? And so he said, yeah, but he'd say, I'm going to call later at this time, and that's when we're going to pray. It wasn't like so urgent that it couldn't wait. And he would actually feed on the word and prepare himself, and then he would call and he would pray. And almost 100% of the time, the kids got healed. Okay, there was always like almost 100% of the time, but he just didn't pray real fast. So the first category that I just want to just make sure, because the desire that we love people and want to help the best we can, that's just the way when God gets on the inside of you, I want to encourage everyone to make sure you're always prepared for the battle. Just because we heard something days gone by, it's really what are we feeding on now? You know, what, what's, what are we built up on now? So that's the first category. Then there's this other category, um, and that's like doing things out of anger. So that's not faith, all right? So we can, you know, say, you know, you have trouble with a mask. You know, I don't like masks, and I've done, you know, earlier on, like, we, we went, we were with Mitch and Anna, and just, we even filmed it, you know, somewhere it's on film, like I see Mitch and Anna over there, but, you know, I, we came out of a place where you had to wear a mask, and then we got outside, and then we took off the mask, and we were stomping on them, you know, just playing around, because you, th you think, I like them, I don't like them, and, uh, and I know sometimes people just wear them so they don't get a $1,300 fine, but then there's other people, they really believe, and they can help, and I think that we should respect everyone's, I think as a church, we need to respect everyone's views, okay? So, but the, here's what I want to say. Doing something out of anger is not faith. So if you see somebody in the, and I've seen people in the middle of the woods walking with a mask on and no one's around. Well, your first thought is, what's wrong with you? I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere, and why are you doing that? And you're exercising, and you can get angry, but, you know, that doesn't, that's nothing. Like, the anger, that doesn't do a thing. So if anyone throws the mask off because they're mad about it and angry, that's not faith, and you're not in a position to win a battle when it comes to praying. So I, I just feel like really responsible to make sure everyone knows that doesn't work. So, you know, we, we need to be fed and built up. And then this third, this third one is like denial. Now, I was in the category when the virus first came, and, and I was in the category, like, I don't know anyone that got it. Does it really exist? But I've definitely moved out of the denial thing, and I know that it's actually real. Now, I just recently listened to part of a video, and this is a qualified doctor, and he was from the States, and he was a, in a particular state. He had a position 
uh, with medicine, and he, he showed the statistics how it peaked, and now where they were down way here, and he said, in this state, and then he said, in most states, and he said, there's a few hot spots, but it's no longer a pandemic, it's now become an endemic, E-N-D, an endemic. He said, it's, it's beginning to, you know, go down. So I, this is very fresh, he just said this. So, but here's the thing, this guy didn't deny, he's a doctor and he didn't deny it. So denial isn't faith either. So anger, uh, not being prepared and denial, these are things that it's just right to talk about that to make sure everyone knows, you know, what are you feeding on and what are your beliefs? It's important to bring that up. So here's something I did just to show you, you know, I, I don't mind using myself as an example. America moved quicker than Australia when it came to rolling out the vaccine. Now, Patsy's family, they're, they're all on Facebook, so we, we communicate with her whole family on Messenger. I have people in my family that don't like Facebook, so we, we can't use Messenger. So we put an email string together in my family. Over 40 people are on it because I have five brothers, and they have kids, and they've already had kids and all that. So we got everyone on there. And so I thought I was going to help them because I was reading things uh, about the vaccine. So I sent them a few links to warn them about the vaccine. And then my, my brother Joe's son, David, who I, I'm close to him and I love him, but he wrote back and said, Uncle Tony, like a number of people in our family have already been vaccinated. And what you did is you just put fear into people. Could you do something to, to like put faith into, you know, it was like a correction coming from my young nephew and I was like so embarrassed. I, I was all by myself reading it and my face got red. So I'm just telling you, you know, like we're, we all, <laughs> you know, we all can make mistakes and that wasn't the best thing to do with my family because they were further ahead. They had it rolled out. You see what I'm saying? So I had to write back and humble myself and, and, and say, and I thought from here on in, if I'm gonna do anything for my family, I'm gonna put faith in them so, and, and not fear. And so it was really important as a church that we don't put fear in the people, that we put faith in the people. So I like to say it's, it's uh, you know, being ready for battle no matter what you decide when it comes to the vaccine. If you do or don't, do it in faith. You want to stay built up in the area of protection and healing. Stay built up. So whatever you do. So if you choose to do it, do that in faith. But here's, a, here's the thing. If the only reason you get it is in the event you catch the virus, it won't be severe. If that's the only reason, you have all your faith in the vaccine. And we already, I know, at church our size, I, I, we've already had a number, so I'm ta talking to anyone that, that you decided to do it. Don't put all of your faith in that. Why not have faith in God also? So that's for anyone that would do it. Okay, and if you choose not to do it, do that in faith too. Now, I've said this before. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what to do because if I say don't do it and, you, and somebody gets the virus and, and they, they die, it's on me. If I, say, if I say to do it and the vaccine hurts, then that's on me. So I've told everyone, and I'll continue to say it, pray and seek God and follow your heart. Ask the Lord. Now, and one reason that I, I know I've said this before, and why am I doing this again? Because I've just recently talked to people in our church, and there's coming up to where decisions have to be made. Where, like, 
I want to travel. The only way to travel is get the vaccine. Or where I work, I, the, the PA hospital uh, just said, if you want to work here, you have to be vaccinated. These kind of things are happening. And so I felt like this has become relevant again. And the main thing that I want to share about is uh, protection, divine protection and healing. Okay, so here are just some simple steps to divine health and protection. So here's the first thing uh, in going that direction. Uh, here's what we have to ask ourselves uh, all the time. Is it faith, foolishness, or presumption? Okay. And uh, the precious man that came up with this, uh, his name was, uh, he, came, he wrote a book called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. His name was uh, Frederick K. Price. There he is right there. He's home with the Lord. I don't know, did he live till 90 or something? I mean, he lived uh, 89 or something. But that's Frederick K. Price. He's preached at Garden City before. He had a lot to do with bringing the message to Australia that we preach, Fred Price. So love the guy. I, was at, I got to hear him live in person uh, where I went to Bible school. He was there the first week, and he taught every day on faith, foolishness, and presumption just to make sure none of us students did crazy things because we, we got into foolishness or presumption and it wasn't faith. So you can buy that book. You probably can download it on Apple Books, but that's Fred Price. Appreciate him, still do. But um, so am I in faith? Am I acting in foolishness or am I in presumption? So here's a story with Fred, a couple. Now, when f he first heard the faith message, he got into foolishness and presumption now, he has four kids, and his son now took his church, but one, he should have five kids, but when he first heard the faith message, he stopped watching his young kids. And he told his wife, oh, the angels will protect them. And one of his kids ran in the street and got killed by a car. I mean, that's, that's a tough way to learn about faith, foolishness, or presumption, but that's one of the reasons why he wrote the book. So I think for every Christian, we need to really know Am I in faith, or is it foolishness or presumption? And so, but then here's another story about Fred. He had kidney stones. And now I know they've come, this is a long time ago. I don't think they had the, you know, the laser stuff that, that dissolves, like blows up, the, safely blows up the kidneys, um, the stones uh, back then, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, but, it, it, you know, it takes time because you, you got to go in the hospital even when they do the laser thing, and it's like a couple days of your life. So he went in a room with his Bible and a, and a bottle of water, and he told his wife, I won't be out until I'm healed. But I want, like, like let's, what did he do? He had a Bible and water, but the Bible. And so that, to me, that's like total commitment. Like he was totally buying in. And, and, and what was he doing? He was not acting out of anger. He wasn't acting out of, you know, presumption. He had the word, and he went in there to feed on the word. So he was there feeding on the word. Eventually, he spoke to the kidney stones, and they supernaturally dissolved, and he walked out of the room, and he saved a couple days from having to go into the hospital. Now, I mean, the, the doctors here in the hospitals, in my opinion, are excellent, so you don't have to do that because... You know, you can go in and get it taken care of, but that's another option, you know. So, um, so that's what he did. So the guy, when he speaks, he speaks from a place of knowing. So that's a great book. But here's like from the Bible, Acts chapter 19 and verse 13. It says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists 
undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I assure you by the... That sounded almost French. I assure you. What, what do you think, Christine? Okay, thank you. Um, uh, so, uh, where, did I, where, did I, where did I go now? You, by the, na- by, the, uh, by the name, I don't know if this, like, has something missing here, but anyway, I assure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but look at this in verse 15. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? So this is kind of like doing something to copy somebody else. Now, they weren't even known, these guys weren't known in the realm of the spirit because it isn't until you're born again that you actually come on the devil's radar because your, your spirit becomes alive and you belong to God and then you're, you're, the, the devil really notices that and then you begin feeding yourself the word and using your faith and the devil really recognizes you. But nonetheless, they tried to imitate, but they didn't do the same. Th- they weren't in the same category. So, so that's what I'm saying. You know, it's really important to, you know, where, where are we? And that's a good question to, like, ask yourself. And then here's this, like, one last scripture here. It's Luke chapter 20, not for the message, but for this uh, subject here, for this uh, number one. It says, Luke 24, 45, it says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And so think about that, that there is a reading of scriptures, but then there is an opening of understanding concerning the scripture we read which we would call, that's revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is a whole different level than just reading. So the Bible says to give yourself to reading, but the reason we would read is because it positions us for our understanding to be enlightened where we get revelation. So that when Fred Price went into the room, he went in there to read, but I I would say he got revelation. It was really real to him, and he spoke from a place of authority to those kidney stones. That's the place we want to be. That's the place we want to speak from, okay? All right, so um, then somebody might say, well, look at that, you know, and and people do this, and they've done it with this scripture. Uh, They they would say, well, doesn't that scripture kind of say that God chooses who he wants to open their eyes? So some people, he just won't open their eyes. And, and, you know, that kind of, I don't agree with that because we have Ephesians chapter 1, 16, 17, and 18, where Paul the Apostle said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and, the, and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know, that you may know, know, that means like you know, it's revelation, what is the hope to, to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And so I personally will not buy into the fact that God chooses who he wants to reveal himself. If you're a Christian, this, this can be prayed for every Christian, and God will answer this prayer for every Christian. So every single one of us, you don't have to have a pulpit ministry to have revelation knowledge. There's a lot of people that haven't been called to the pulpit, and they understand the Bible better than those that are behind the pulpit. And for all of us to stand behind the pulpit, we need to humble ourselves and admit that. 
There's people that aren't called to preach, but they know the Bible better and they have more revelation knowledge because it's for everyone, okay? All right, so we could say this. The spirit of wisdom and revelation of him, along with the eyes of our hearts being enlightened, guarantees we aren't acting in foolishness or presumption. So we'll leave that there. I believe you guys know what I'm saying. Let's go to number two here, and that's this. We want to make sure that we get the right blueprints. And the blueprints, the word of God, and uh, you could say that's our boundaries defined. And we happen to have our bookstores right back in the hallway here. Here's a book called Blueprint for Building Strong Faith. It's available in our bookstore. The, the fact that I brought up blueprints. But th the right blueprint, that's our boundaries defined. So it's like I worked as a machinist for a number of years, and we had blueprints. Every once in a while, some of us, including myself, we misread the blueprint and we messed up the piece of steel we were working on, and depending on the size of steel, it, it was like it cost the company money. But like how costly it would be for us as Christians to misunderstand or misinterpret the Word of God. So we could say that misinterpretation of the Scriptures is misinterpretation of divine boundaries. Like our boundaries and the promises of God and what He gave us, it's in the Scripture. We don't want to misinterpret Scripture. Now, I like what Smith Wigglesworth said in and, uh, and he's, he's up in heaven, too, wonderful man from England. You know, the, the guys from England, they're the ones that set down, in a sense, they were before America and Australia. They put the Pentecostal doctrine down. They, they were like the spiritual fathers of the Pentecostal doctrine. He was one of them. I mean, wonderful man. And here's what he said. The Bible is the word of God, <clears throat> supernatural in origin eternal in duration, inexpressible in valor, infinite in scope, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, and then pass it on. Hey, let's get on. Sorry about that. <laughs> Truly, it is the word of God. Smith Wigglesworth. So the Bible is our blueprint. And so what's promised to us in the Bible? Well, one thing is what we're talking about today, that no deadly thing will harm us. So here's the third thing as we look at, at these simple steps. Know your responsibilities, all of us. We need to know our responsibilities. That's like the application of the covenant. So it's kind of like, you know, even if you, you know, whatever you're doing, like let's talk about a marriage. In a marriage, the husband and wife, the Bible talks about different, even different roles, like the husband should do this and the wife should do that. And if you have a job, there's different responsibilities. There's always like different responsibility. Everything works better when everyone knows their responsibility, whatever they're involved in. So the same thing is true with us and in our covenant. So we're in the new covenant. So we could say this, that in the old covenant, the way that covenant was set up, it's even in Deuteronomy, if you do all of these commands, if you do all of this, in other words, you perform and do all of this, I will do this. It was based on performance and obedience in the old covenant. So like Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 15 you see this, it says, Jehovah has turned aside from the, the every sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou hast known, doth he put on thee 
and hath put them on all hating thee. So this is something God did, and it's in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about all the commands and doing every single command, and then God would do this. So it's, that's how that was built. But now let's over, go over to the New Covenant because we want to know our responsibility. So in the New Covenant, James chapter 4 and verse 6, says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, so submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you see how that's different. So if somebody just like reads the Bible and they don't really put distinction, you could be living under grace in this covenant, but trying to do things in the old. And one time I was at a meeting once and, and somebody got up to teach and, and they said, do you want to be healed? Well, I'm going to show you. And they went to Deuteronomy 28 and they start reading all the commands. And they said, if you want to be healed, you got to do all this. And I thought, wow, I mean, we're in, we're in the church age. And so if you're, if, that's why it says study to show yourself to prove rightly dividing the word of God. So I love the Old Testament and I love the New, but I, I want to make sure I understand the different responsibilities in both of those covenants. It really is a big help when we do that for us individually. And, and so this is what we, we see here, these different responsibilities. So what is our goal? And our goal is to be in faith, and our goal is to be able to resist the devil because when we're in faith and we resist the devil, he flees. And so what do we have to do in our covenant to be in faith? Now, you, you know, I, I, I brought up, um, I don't know, was it three weeks ago? I think it was on Father's Day, and I taught the prodigal son some things there, and what we saw there, you know, this, the prodigal, when he was living in sin, he was eating the food of pigs. And so I made the comment that just because we're under grace, when somebody's under grace and, and they misunderstand grace and they think that just means you can live any way you want, well, the prodigal ate the food of pigs, so we don't want to misunderstand grace. But here's what we learned from that story. When the prodigal came to himself and went back to his father and he confessed, there was immediate restoration. And so what that means is in our covenant says you can go to the throne of grace and there you can have mercy and grace and you can find help in a time of need, but you have to know when you go there, so if anyone's like living in sin, your number one thing for you, if you start, if you start speaking to sickness or like wanting to use your authority, you're probably, if you're living in sin consistently, you would probably have some guilt and condemnation which means you're not praying with confidence. So our covenant isn't based on performance, but our covenant is like you go to the throne, you ask, you confess that, you receive mercy, and then you have grace. So that is, that is what we do. But here's what we have to know. When we do that, there is an immediate, the, the, the father of the prodigal said, get quick. He said, quick, get the robe. You know, here's a ring. Put, in other words, Anybody that goes there and does that, you qualify to you, that you're in a place where you can use your faith. It's confidence of the heart. That, like what helps us to put protection out there? What helps us to speak in faith? Having a confident heart. And we have to know when we go there and do that, 
It's immediate. It's quick. So anyone that has done that, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you don't qualify. That's a lie. Anyone that is right now, you may be here physically, but you know you're you're not. You know you know what what you're into. Go to him because you want confidence in your heart. That's how our covenant is set up. Does that make sense? All right. So, and and uh, that when we say submit to God, one way we would do that is to you you know humble ourselves. Don't try to do it like for me when I think of submission, it's like. I can't do this on my own. I need him. So it says to submit. So I'm going to go to the throne room. I'm going to continue to go to the throne room for mercy and grace. That's like one way we submit, you know. So let's move on. The next thing, number four, is right beliefs. So these are simple things. So we could say concerning right beliefs, you know, I, I like that scripture. Your word is a lamp to walk by and a light to illumine my path. So the right blueprints, that's the right blueprints, is our covenant and what God has for us. They, it ends up giving us the right beliefs, and it sets our boundaries up. So look at Isaiah 54, 17. Anything in the Old Testament, like concerning this, we can have it in the New, so I want to just focus on this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Uh, so I, when my daughters got married, it brought Mitch and Evan into our family. I've been a big believer since I learned this to speak the word over us, and now I speak it over my daughters and my son-in-laws. They became part of the family. So you can ask Patsy. We sit down to pray for our food, and I say no evil will come near all, our, all six of us, my wife, my daughters, and their husbands, no evil will come near our dwelling. No weapon formed against us will prosper. I declare that over my family. I, I have authority to do that with my family. You have authority to do that with your family. So you see, these are, the, the, these are uh, the right beliefs. I believe that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I believe that no evil will come near our dwelling. I believe that no deadly thing will harm us. And it's important that we get on that page in these days. So here's a, a, the story of John G. Lake. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, it's not real long. It's not his whole life story. It's just concerning a pandemic. So in 1910, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic known as the bubonic plague, the government was offering large sums of money for anyone who could help. So many were dying, and there were not enough people to remove the bodies of the dead. Of the few that were well enough, most were too fearful to enter people's homes. John G. Lake found himself in this highly contagious region, and he offered to help, but asked for no payment. He was not doing it for money. He would go into houses where the stench of sickness hung in the air and carried out the bodies, often having to bury them in mass graves. There were so many. But he had no fear of catching the disease. 
a doctor sent for Lake and asked, what have you been doing to protect yourself? Lake replied, I believe that as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of God will kill it. He was convinced about it. And when we moved to Singapore, I, I was that convinced. It's good to get convinced on this, but, but I, and, and we'll, um, let me read this last paragraph. Amazingly, Lake asked the doctor to experiment by taking the foam from one of the lungs of a dead plague victim and putting it under a microscope. The doctor did that and found masses of living germs. At Lake's insistence, the doctor spread the deadly foam on Lake's hand and, observed, and observing the results under the microscope, he was astonished to discover that all the germs died instantly. Lake told him, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'll say that one more time. That is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and body are filled with the presence of God, it oozes out of the flesh and the pores, and it kills the germ. End of sentence. End of the story. Lake was convinced about that. But then, remember what we said earlier, just to imitate somebody. But let's go back and just read that one more time. What did Lake do? The doctor said, what have you been doing to protect yourself? Lake replied, I believe as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of God will kill it. He was in fellowship, and he was maintaining his fellowship, and he was feeding on the word of God. And so if we're going to imitate that, we also want to make sure we do that part. And so I, I feel like in the days that we're living in, it's right to me to deliver this today. So Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So please under, picture this. The glory of God, the Bible says, raised Jesus from the dead. The same glory that raised Jesus from the dead, that was a lot of power to raise him from the dead. That's inside of us. That life and glory on the inside of us, it can kill sickness and disease. But somebody might say, well, why doesn't it do it automatically? You know, I can't uh, give you the, the perfect answer for that, but I do know God set it up that he, our faith has something to do. How, do. how are these things activated? We have a part to play. Now, I'll, I may ask, I might not want to know when I get to heaven. I, I would have questions for him here. You know, you could have made it easier. Like, wh why do we have to study to show ourselves approved? Why didn't you just, like, drop all that in us, you know? But you said to study, like, what's with that, you know? But I don't think we're really going to care when we get up there. <laughs> so I just like to really, like, whatever he says, do it. So he says, study, show yourself approved. Like, d rightly divide the word of God. Uh, feed on the word of God. You know, and exercise, like, and, for, and this is what God did, and I don't question him. He, 
it has, there, there's a lot to do with our heart and our mouth. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that's how we enter into salvation. But then once we enter in, what we believe in our heart and what we say carries a lot of weight. So that brings us to the last thing, and that's number five, right words. So I, I would say that this is our boundaries constructed and enforced. Right words. We learn what belongs to us. We see the blueprints. We see God gives us the, the boundaries and the promises. But then we then our words, that's how the boundaries are constructed and enforced. Putting protection out there. Uh, believing and saying the promises of God. So you know that iron dome that they have in Israel? Uh, that iron dome is amazing, and it, ta it, it takes out 80 to 90% of the missiles that are shot at Israel. And it's, it's, and it's been said, I've said this before, uh, it's a wonderful statement. If Israel's enemies set their weapons down, there would be peace. If Israel set their weapons down, they would be annihilated. It's a one-way thing. And there's, the news doesn't report it. There's missiles being shot at them all the time. But the Iron Dome takes out 80 or 90% of the missiles. Well, it's kind of like God gave us this Iron Dome. But see, what about if they did that? The creators and inventors that, they, that made that Iron Dome, they put it there and built it, and then they just left and let it set there. That's kind of like us finding out what belongs to us and getting revelation knowledge, but then we never, we never release it with our mouth. Or we actually talk contrary to what God says. So the Bible says, by his stripes we're healed, but we, we, we claim sickness. So it's, it's uh, great. You find out, you go to the doctor, and he says, this is what you, you have. Well, once you have it, are we going to say, I have this, and claim it, or are we going to get a promise, and instead of saying, this is mine, speak to it. Don't just say, okay, it's mine. My whatever, you know, and make it yours. No. Okay, the doctor said, this is what I have, but now I'm going to go to the Word, I'm going to feed on it, and I'm going to speak to that thing. See, it's, it, that's what we want to make sure that it's available. Let, okay, so if you don't do that, it's fine. And there's no guilt or condemnation in that because if you're born again, we're going to be in heaven for eternity. So it's just like we got a lot of icing on the cake. You know, you know our, the cake is like this and the icing is like that. God just gave us a lot of stuff. But, you know, the main thing is receive him as Lord and we have eternity with him. But he gave us a lot of wonderful things to have down here. So let's look at this now. Psalm 91 and verse 10 says, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. So we've been in a couple countries with plagues, and we've stood on this. So thank God for uh, anything that can be done in the natural, but isn't it wonderful to have it done in the spiritual? So we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, in Ephesians it talks about the shield of faith. So you can put up a shield of faith. It's what we believe and say that puts that shield up. This is something we can do. And then we also have Mark eleven twenty three, where it says, uh, I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken and thrown into the sea, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. So that's like a sword. So there's the sword of the Spirit, there's the shield of faith, but then we can also receive like hand. There's like three main ways we can release our faith. We can release our faith like a hand, we can release it like a sword, and we can release it like a shield. So the shield is, is like Psalm 91, just declaring no evil will come near my dwelling. The sword is Mark eleven twenty three that you go on the offense and you speak to the mountain and you command it. And the hand is Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive and it will be yours. So we can receive with a hand, we can go on the offensive with a sword, and we can put up a shield. And that's what we can do with our uh, faith. So we can say the extent of our boundaries is in proportion to our knowledge of what belongs to us. So if, without knowing, there, if, you don't, if we don't know what belongs to us, we, we have like really small boundaries, but when we learn the boundaries can expand and we can say, God promised this to me and I'm putting up a shield. God promised that I'm going on the offense with my sword. I'm, God promised and I'm, I'm going to pray and I believe this. This is what we can do. And then, so once we do the first thing, we then construct, erect, build, whatever you want to say and enforce our boundaries by what we believe and say. So today as we uh, finish up, I just thought this like, was really good. I want to invite the three people I talked to. I'm going to invite you guys up. And I, we're just going to do it quickly. They're, they're going to do one minute or less. They're going to talk about the shield that they put up. Because I think it's really good. I, as a pastor and, and the pastor of a church our size, I respect uh, everyone's, whatever, I respect people's choices. That's the best way to say it. So you're going to hear different choices here and what people did. So I'm going to invite you guys up. You can give the microphone uh, to uh, James, and he'll come up. You can go first, James, and then we have Benny and we have Lindy. And so the, this is just like encouragement about putting up the shield. Thank you, Pastor. Um, you may wonder why I wear this. Well, Romans 13 talks about uh, the authorities and following that direction, so that's why I do it. But another reason also is that um, for some who have maybe concerns about their own self and being contracting anything, I, I'm not an island by myself. I've got to be responsible for other people as well. So their faith may be not in that area because I know that Jenny and I have decided to get the vaccine. Now, we didn't do this out of fear because, as the word says, no plague will come near our dwelling and um, no poison will have an impact on us. So it's not out of fear that we do this. One of the reasons is because we want to go back to New Guinea and serve the Lord there. But, again, as I said, I'm doing this because of that reason, you know, and... Um, the thing that also has impacted me over the years, you know, I'm, I'm 73. God's protected me uh, 73 years. Now, I've, I've experienced threats of death in regards to sickness, but God has brought me through. So I tr ultimately trust in him in everything. But, again, I do these things because, you know, the authorities 
I, I respect the authorities. And also, the other thing is that I don't judge other people. It says in Romans 14 not to treat people with contempt or, or judge them when they don't do the same thing. There's a principle there. It was talking about eating meat or not. But it's the same principle there um, that we don't go around judging other people because they have decided one way or the other. We just trust God. And as I said, that's how I see it. Um, from my, I'm not John G. Lake. And um, there are times, of course, when you know, my faith is not strong. But I know that I know who I believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him. And that remains, uh, talks about healing. It's my salvation. Everything comes down to my belief in him. Amen. Um, over two years ago, my husband was given three months to live by the doctors and that was a good practice for me for what was coming up with COVID. I had no idea what was about to hit the earth. And um, I learned a great thing about that because people came up to me and they said to me, how are you feeling, you know, how are you coping, um, are you concerned? And I was able to say, look, it's like I'm in a parallel universe. I'm in this bubble, this God bubble, and nothing can touch me. And to me, that's what the shield of faith is. It's not a shield that you put down and pick up and it just covers in front of you. It's like that iron dome that completely encircles you. And when you're in that, the evil one touches you not. So we're told to guard our hearts and guard our minds. And to me, the pressure that's on the inside of that bubble has to be greater than the pressure that's coming from the outside. So for me, I guard my heart, I guard my mind, I watch what I watch. You know, I'm careful what I watch on television. I don't let the evil one have his fiery darts coming at me. If anything does come to me, I take that um, sword of the spirit and I say, fear, I resist you in the name of Jesus. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind, a safe thinking mind. And I'm abiding in the secret place of the Most High God. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me in the name of Jesus. So my weaponry is on the inside of that dome, like that iron dome that they have in Israel, which that was a great example, Pastor Tony. It's exactly the way that I felt. And I've got my weaponry inside that and I can open my little turrets or whatever they are and the, the, the fiery darts of the evil one are annihilated in the name of Jesus. And uh, a word just came to me as you were ministering this morning. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. All we have to do is keep that fear out and the faith on the inside. We abide in the secret place of the Most High. We guard our hearts and our minds and the evil one touches us not in Jesus' name. My wife and I, we haven't had the vaccine yet. We don't plan on getting it. However, there is one exception that we would take it. And that would be if the Lord had dealt with me and Eva too, at the moment where I'm working, it doesn't require that we have a vaccine. But if they were to say, look, you have to have it or you're going to lose your job, I would take it up with the Lord. That would be my first thing. And if the Lord says, look, your time here is, is done, I'll take care of you another way. I'll just put my trust in that. I don't need to worry about how the money's going to come in. However, if he says, look, I want you to stay and I want you to have, you know, take the vaccine, do, do as they've asked, I will do it. But I will do it in faith, as mentioned um, 
by Pastor Tony brilliantly. John G. Lake's example is is like one of the highest. And when I remember hearing that for the first time, I was like, I want to have faith like that. Any germ that touches my body, it, it has to drop. My wife and I, we both have that mentality and we put it also on our uh, nine-month-old uh, baby Isaac. When he was born, two days old, um, we felt a leading to um, have him see our pastor, uh, Patsy. So we pushed him through the hyperdome, only two days old, and different people were coming up to him. We had no fear, no worries, because we're like, he's protected because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit over him. And he has been the healthiest baby this whole nine months, not even close to sick. Um, the final thing um, I wanted to mention is travel. Eva and I have on our hearts to travel. And when we went to America in the early start of 2019, we had made some connections with some lovely people. We felt there were God connections. However, when COVID happened and, um, you know, all this vaccine and vaccine passports, we've just been taking it up with the Lord. But if the Lord were to put on our hearts, look, I want you to go back to America. And that is the only way. And we do feel a leading to do that. I feel that would be the only reason. And I love what Pastor James had mentioned he took it and Pastor Patsy, um, Pastor Jenny had taken it because they wanted to serve the Lord there. They feel they're called. So for that, I respect that and I would do the same. But I would do it in faith, believe in nothing bad, no side effects. It's just going to work for my good because of Jesus and not because of me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jenny. So let's, let's say this together. If you want to close your eyes, let's just put up a shield. And remember, like we're doing this, it's just an example. But you want to make sure you feed and, you know, just uh, yourself really get built up in this area. But let's just do it right now. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the shield of faith. According to what I believe, no evil will come near my dwelling. No weapon formed against me will prosper. No deadly thing will harm me. When germs, when viruses, when sickness comes in contact with my body, it will die. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I believe that. It's mine, and I have it now. And so that's an example of what putting up a shield. And you can, you know, I, I would really suggest to go feed on it. Make it yours. And just don't do it this one time. Make it yours and do it consistently. Okay, one last thing. Uh, if you're here today or you're watching online and Jesus is not your Lord, I would like to lead you in a prayer to make sure that you are assured of eternity. So the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So what does that include? First, you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you believe that in your heart and you say it with your mouth. Very simple. So I'm going to lead you in that prayer. Uh, if you're ready to pray that prayer and you're convinced that you need a Savior, that you can't save yourself, and you're convinced Jesus is that Savior, you have this opportunity to pray this prayer. Let's pray it together. Let's say this. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I can't save myself. 
my good works can't save me church membership can't save me only Jesus can save me Jesus I believe God raised you from the dead I confess you as my Lord I receive you you're welcome in my heart Jesus you are now my Lord thank you for loving me Amen If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.